It's Sunday night, it's 9.30, and it's time for the Jersnet podcast, absolutely live and bringing you totally free Rangers content by the fans for the fans. to have the week's last words on all the latest Rangers news. If it's your first time joining us, then remember that we are absolutely live and you can get involved in the show by leaving us your comments and your questions over on the YouTube stream. I'll be keeping my eye on that throughout the night uh, and we'll try and get to as many of those as we can. As always, the podcast will be available for download from Monday morning first thing. So subscribe to make sure you never miss a show from us. You can get that on iTunes, on Google Music, Acast, Stitcher, Spotify and all the rest. Tonight on the show, we're going to be taking a look back at another successful trip to the Garden City of Motherwell, uh, as well as an extension to the Europa League adventure this season, and one or two other wee bits and pieces from the week, including the small news of the gaffer sticking around for a few more years. Uh, my name's Ross Bennett. I'm delighted to be back on the show this week and being your Jersnet podcast host for the evening. Uh, and as always, we've got two fantastic guests to uh, to join us on the show this evening. First up, it's the very own boss of the show, Frankie. Frankie, first things first, how was your trip abroad? It was excellent, thanks, mate. Um, as I've seen beforehand, there it's a, it's always good to get away. I mean, I've not been holiday for since uh, January. We were away to Iceland for a few days, and that really hurt me in the pocket. This didn't really wasn't much cheaper going to Florida to Disneyland, but Disney World with the kids. But it was a good fortnight away. So, and I wanted to work for another half day until the, the first week of January as well. So, it's all good here, mate. And uh, I hear you managed to catch up with the Orlando Rangers Supporters Club as well, and, and keep an eye on the games. I did, I. Um, I, I watched the, the Hearts and Aberdeen games on my, my computer just at the hotel, but um, I managed to get away for the parts and let my wife deal with the kids. But um, the, the Orlando guys uh, welcomed me along to uh, Game Changers on the international drive for the, the Celtic game. And I, I, I enjoyed a, a morning's beer with, with, with them and I can recommend it to, to anybody in, in the Florida area if, they're, if they want to catch up with the Rangers games. It was very good. That's very good to hear. Uh, also with us tonight is our one and only Colin Armstrong. Now, Colin, I hear you had quite the VIP visitor up to Glasgow this week. Well, I don't know about that, Ross. How are you? <laughs> did you Did you get your fight home okay? I was. Yeah, it was all good, safe and sound. Um, no, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was good to to catch up. So I was up in Glasgow just before the uh, for the young boys game, and Colin and I managed to uh, grab a couple of beers before the game. Um, so it was. No, it was, it was I, I, I should I should point out I paid for them. <laughs> 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 You're on the bell next time. <laughs> See about that. Um, uh, how's your weekend been so far, Colin? Uh, yeah, I was. I, 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 I always try. If I'm not going to Ibrox on a Saturday, I always try and take in a junior game. Uh, came on their game was off yesterday, so I found myself up at uh, Blackburn United against Crossgates, which was uh, it was interesting in terms of the weather and stuff like that. It was a bit horrific, but uh, I passed an afternoon. And today, obviously, watch the Rangers game, uh, which we're about to discuss. I can't say fairer than that. Um, like you say, we are about to jump straight into discussing today's game first, and then we'll take another look back at Young Boys on Thursday. Before I get into that, um, I just want to have a quick uh, plug of something that's coming up that's going to be a, a really good event. Next March, we're going to have the 25th anniversary of the passing of um, the legend of Davy Cooper. Uh, and Christine, who's a friend of the show, obviously, and has been on the podcast a number of times, is helping to organise a tribute dinner uh, in, in memory of the late David Cooper, which is going to be held on the 28th of March in the Thornton Suite. Um, it's an international break weekend, so you've no excuse. Uh, any information that you need is available at www.davycooperdinner.co.uk um, and all the funds, uh, all the proceeds will be split between the Former's Player Benevolent Fund and the Rangers Youth Development Company. So two fantastic um, causes there. Uh, very, very much get along if you can. So head over to www.davycooperdinner.co.uk and take a look for all the information. Um, right, that's the pre-match talk done. Uh, I think the only fair place to start is with the discussion of Motherwell today, another um, trip to the beautiful Lanarkshire town of Motherwell. Um, Frankie, a bit of a slow start, a bit nervy. What did you make of the game today? Aye, we did We did start a bit slowly. I guess probably that's to, to be expected. I mean, Motherwell are on a, or have been on a, a very good run of form, so they would be approaching the game with a lot of confidence and probably want to get, a, get at us. 
early doors and, and they did try to do that. They knocked the ball about quite well. We were a bit a bit wasteful ourselves in possession. Um, but at the same time, they, they didn't really cause us any problems, uh, to be honest. And we, we played our way into the game and got a bit more confident, relaxed. Um, we had several chances. Again, Morelos was, was fantastic up front. I mean, creating stuff out of nothing. Um, and I mean, Gillespie and goal for Motherwell had a, a fine match and and it was probably um, only him that, that stopped us scoring earlier. Um, but we got the goal at a good time, and, um, and it was the same with the, with the second goal, actually. I thought I thought Motherwell was starting to come into the game a wee bit, and you're just sort of looking back towards the, the young boys game and thinking, let's not get deeper and deeper and deeper. And fortunately, we didn't. We played well on the counter and and uh, and got the goal. The red card was a bit of a, a nightmare. I'm sure we'll, we'll come Come on to discuss that in a bit more detail. Uh, but after that, even then, we, we didn't really look under any any problems whatsoever. And and I've got to give the the team and the manager a lot of credit because this was a really tough game today. As I said, Motherwell were were flying pretty high in the, in the league and playing well and scoring goals, and and we really didn't give them a sniff. I think one or two lapses in the in the second half aside, they never really looked like scoring at all. I mean, I, I think we've got to mention the save from McGregor, which was fantastic. Um, at, at 1-0 and obviously that was a very uh, key moment in the game but other than that they never really looked like scoring and, and, and it's, as I say a lot of credit to the players and the manager because I was worried about this game today and, and a hangover for, for the other night there I mean that was 90 minute, hard minutes in, in a tough conditions on Thursday night and and today we, we finished the game just as strong with 10 men so we've got to be happy with that and uh, obviously we've got the disappointment for Hamden last week and again we maybe should have uh, top to Europa uh, section rather than finish second but all, all things considered we're, we're doing well here and I think it's important to stay confident keep morale up and, and now go to Easter Road next Friday with uh, with a lot of confidence uh, This is one of those games that you would kind of pinpoint if you're looking down the fixtures as being you know definitely towards the trickier end Mother will let you say doing pretty well for themselves in, in, in the league um, it's never an enjoyable place to go, Motherwell, although we do have a, a pretty decent record there anyway. But the fact that we're coming away from a, a tough midweek tie again, it's the it's the very, very early kickoff at noon. It's kind of just one or two factors that were making us a difficult tie. Colin, we came into this one knowing that a win would put us top of the league, albeit probably only briefly, uh, with Celtic entertaining Hibs uh, in a later kickoff today. What kind of psychological advantage or disadvantage does that give you knowing that if you get the win, the other side could slip up. But if you don't get the win and the other side get the win a couple of hours later on, then there's, there's an even bigger gap there. Does that have an effect on the players? I think it, excuse me, I think it's obvious it has an effect. I've, I've always argued that it has an effect, you know what I mean? And, and how games are arranged, you know, if, you, if you're playing first or second, that, that does have an effect. I mean, people say it doesn't, but then there's, you know, the, the leagues make sure that the last game of the season, all the kickoffs are at the same time. So that tells you that there's a benefit. So, you know, this time last year, I mean, I know we beat Celtic in the 29th and, uh, you know, I think we, we narrowed it to, well, I think we were on leveling points, but Celtic had a game in hand or something like that. But I think about at this point last year, we were about five or six points behind. You know, it was already looking like it was it was a big ask. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've improved dramatically. And as I've said consistently on the pod, I've said this for a long, long time, I don't think this Celtic team you know, over the last six or seven years, has had a huge amount of questions asked it. And you don't know how they're going to react. So if we're playing first, uh, it was a tricky game today, it's always tricky when we go down the road there. You know, you have to get the win and then just ask the question and see what the, you know, see what Celtic come back with. So, yeah, it was important. Always important because if you don't get the win, they're at home against Hibs and, you know, they've got a chance to go even further ahead. But you get the win, you're, you're you know, you're holding their feet to the fire and, as I've said, we don't know how the Celtic team will react to that. Were you surprised, Colin, at the uh, at the starting lineup of the team today? There was, you know, un- unchanged from midweek, um, and at the the end of the young boys game, I'm sure you saw it as well that some of the lads looked flat out, um, and we were dropping deeper and deeper and finding it hard to break away with the ball on Thursday. So, were you surprised that there were no changes at all to the starting lineup? Uh, a little bit, but, but part of me thinks. Uh, you know, given the, the, the sort of game we normally get at Motherwell, it's, it's usually very physical, as it was today. You know, I mean, Motherwell treat this. They, they seem to be becoming another club that, that want to have a unique relationship with us, you know, that, that, that want to hate us like, you know, your 
Dungeon Ites and your Aberdeens do. You know, the, over the last few years, the relationships between the two clubs seem to me to be a bit strained. That that wee section in the corner, the Motherwell fans, you know, there's been incidents with them previously, and obviously there was one today that we'll come on to discuss. So, yeah, I, I, I think with that in mind, I, th- I think Stevie G was, was maybe just thinking he would want experienced players in who have been, been over the course before. Uh, I, I still think there's an argument for Greg Stewart to be getting more game time and maybe one or two others. But considering the game today, I, I think he went with the, with the right team, I must admit. I think I agree with you, Colin. I mean, it's certainly the physicality of a Motherwell team is something that we cannot underestimate. And, you know, we hark back to comments made by Motherwell players about enjoying the physicality and kind of relishing that side of the game, laughing at Fabio Cardozo having a busted nose and that kind of thing. It's it, They're hardly for the football purists. Um, so with that in mind, it was never going to be a game for Shea Ojo to start in. But um, I, I, look, I agree with you. It, it seems to me, though, that Gerard is more settled now on his first choice. Um, and maybe not at, at centre-half, and we're going to talk about centre-half in, in just a moment, but it seems that if, if Gerard wasn't so settled on his first choice 11, we might have seen some rotation today, but the fact that we didn't makes it, makes it quite clear that he knows who his best players are now, in my opinion. Frankie, if we look at the first goal, Nico Katic comes back into the team. Obviously, he was playing on Thursday, um, deputising for the injured Philip Hollander. He's come in today and grabbed a kind of trademark Nico Katic goal. The thing that struck me about this was incredible desire from Katic to fight his way through the defenders and get to the ball. Is that the kind of thing that Katic can bring that Hollander maybe doesn't possess? To a certain extent, aye. I think I think you see it a wee bit more evident than you do with Hollander, but I think it's fair to say that we're, we're dangerous for, for corners. I wouldn't say so much free kicks, but definitely for corners throughout the season. And we score a lot of headed goals. Um, Hollander and, and Golson have both scored their fair share. Um, and it was great to see Katic score today because I, I think um, I think the young man deserves a lot of credit. Clearly, he's, he's, he started the season very well. And I think we were all talking about on being our best setter half um, in terms of performance this season and sort of August time, the start of the league season. And um, obviously, Hollander got into the team and has done pretty well since. So it's been a bit of shame that Katic has dropped out. And a lot of players would have took the half and uh, not trained well, maybe put on a bit of weight, all the rest of it. But no, no, no Katic. His attitude is fantastic. Straight back in the team uh, the other day there, played well against young boys. And played well again today. I, th- I think, I think Katic is still raw. I think there's times where he attacks balls where he doesn't need to. So I think he needs to temper that somewhat. But at the same time, it's it's that that physical nature of his game, that that keenness, is something that makes him the player that he is, and he's an exciting player to watch. And that's why the fans sort of are drawn to him maybe more than they are somebody like Goldson or Hollander, who are a bit more reserved than than in the way they play. Um, so it's it's. It's, you've got to be careful, as I say, with, the, with these young guys. It's, it's, you've got to be careful how you, you manage that, that keenness because you don't want to take the, 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 um, that out of the game. But at the same time, you don't want them to be diving into stuff. And I think he was guilty of that once or twice in the first half and possibly uh, once in the second half. I think him and Golson got in a bit of mix-up. Golson went to knock it back to Greg and I think sort of Katic came steaming in a wee bit. And I think there's one or two balls that, that Katic went for, sort of headed balls that he probably would have been better standing off but as I say that that's nitpicking really because he had a good game so did Goldson and um, we're, we're really lucky with the centre half that we've got I think um, one or two games aside this season they've been really really first class in our defence um, it's just a pity that the goals we do lose do tend to be quite clear defensive errors rather than good goals for opposition teams and that tends to sort of put them under the, the microscope a wee bit when it's People forget just how many clean sheets we've had this season. So um, it's it's all good. And it's good, great to see Cartage back in the team and even better to, if, he's, if he's scoring goals as well. Well, I agree with you that he's got this kind of natural enthusiasm and keenness, but I'll slightly go maybe one step further and, and, and say that at times he does give me a bit of fear. Um, with, when that keenness manifests itself, like you say, in the wrong way, that he's... Um, diving in for headed balls that he's never going to win and that he's, he's leaving Goldson, who's not the quickest of centre-halves, exposed um, and, and left with someone running into a, a wide-open area. And that happened today after, what, 10, 15 minutes. Um, 
Katic goes for, uh, you know, challenges for a header that was closer to the halfway line than it was to the 18-yard line, totally misses it. And actually, if the Motherwell strikers had a bit more composure um, and a bit more ability, let's say, it, it should have been a goal. McGregor kind of caught in two minds whether he should have come for it or not and, and, and doesn't either. Um, and Tavernier ends up actually bailing the team out and does very, very well to get across and get to the ball first. Um, that probably should have been a Motherwell goal and that would have been the fault of Nico Katic. So I, I agree I mean, with, with what you're saying, Frankie, and what, what Chris is saying here on the YouTube stream is that Katic is the biggest threat at corners and free kicks, hence his goal today. I totally agree with that. I think he's a bigger threat than, than Goldson, a bigger threat than Hollander, um, certainly a bigger threat than anyone in midfield. Um, but he does... <sighs> It's harsh to use the word bomb scare, but sometimes he's just over-enthusiastic, he's naive, and he goes to challenge for balls that he's got no right to win, he's got no ability to win, and it leaves us exposed at the back. Um, and that's a trade-off with a young centre-half that you're always going to get. He's raw and he's talented, but sometimes he does expose the side. Um, before we get on to the second goal, Colin, uh, one big talking point, and it might lead us on to a, a larger point about the standard of refereeing today, which was abysmal. Um, before Morelos got his goal, there was a, a big, big penalty shout. Um, in my opinion, he's been elbowed in the back of the head by this Mugabe character who's come flying through with, with no chance of winning the ball. Um, should it have been a penalty? Oh, it's a stonewall penalty, Ross. It's, it's not even up for debate. I, I've, I've not seen it, but I, I, I have read on Twitter that, that the bold Michael Stewart tried to claim in sports scene that it wasn't a penalty. But, I mean, when you look at it in slow motion, Morelos, is, he keeps his eye on the ball, doesn't look anywhere else, his eyes on the ball, and McGarry comes through the back of him, you know, just flattens him. Uh, so it's, it's, not, it's not even a debate that that's, you know, not a penalty kick. It's a, it's a stone wall penalty kick. And, I mean, I know that we'll talk about the Morelos red card later on. But I thought there was one or two real bad incidents today. You know, I thought the tackle on... Kamara was was pretty naughty. I mean, and Andy Walker done his best to just sort of play that down. Uh, there was a tackle later on Morelos that was that was that was over the ball that caught him about Shanghai. Well, two or three really nasty tackles, uh, and they went unpunished. I, I don't know how many challenges Donnelly had, uh, how many fouls he had after he had his booking. Uh, and yet again, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about this a lot this season on the pod, and to be, to be fair, a fair chunk of last season as well. Uh, it just creeps up time and time again, and I know a lot of Rangers fans don't want to go down the, you know, the paranoia route, and everybody's against us and all that kind of thing. But I, I, I think the evidence strongly suggests that we are being refereed to a different standard than than most other clubs. So then, if if we go down that route. What's the club's best course of action here? I mean, it was it was a clear penalty. There were some terrible decisions. I, I totally agree with you, by the way, about the Motherwell lad who was booked and then continued to just make cynical, stupid fouls. But he was never getting a red. You can see it was clear as day. He was never getting sent off. Um, so what's the club's best option here? Is it the behind-closed-doors channel, the, not necessarily diplomacy, but just not playing this out in the public arena? Or is it the statement route? Is it calling things out publicly and, and kind of you know, a bold as brash showing the displeasure. I, I mean, I've kind of always favoured the, and I've, I've always had faith in the club that they would be having these conversations behind closed doors. Uh, but nothing seems to be changing. So I think I was a little bit disappointed. I, I don't want to, to preempt the Morelos discussion, but uh, I was a wee bit disappointed in Stephen Gerrard today. You know, I, I felt he had an opportunity to call it out then, you know. I know we're going to discuss that a wee bit more in more detail later on, but he went down the road of, I've got no complaints. And I genuinely don't know if that helps. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if I'm keen on the club coming out with statements, left, right and centre. However, given the, the profile of Steven Gerrard and, and given the antics of some some other uh, some other manager, sorry, when it comes to referees, you know, I think if Steven Gerrard comes out and, and makes a comment, and he doesn't even need to be heavy with it, he doesn't need to go in hard, he just needs to you know, highlight some decisions and some inconsistencies, then that does put a wee bit of pressure on the next referee that's that's coming into to, to referee a Rangers game. You know, if those comments are in the, the, the paper, in the press, or, or doing the rounds in the build-up to a big game, the referees are aware of that. You know what I mean? And other clubs go down that route. 
make no bones about it, make no mistake about it. Other clubs, and we all know who we're talking about here, go down that route, they, they publicly come out and make comments about referees and put pressure on them. Now, it's not something I'm keen on doing, but, you know, if you're, if you're in a fight for a title and you, you feel you're getting treated unfairly on a consistent basis, then you maybe need to look at the the, the policy that you're, you're using at that particular time. If we have gone down the... the sort of route of diplomacy and behind the scenes conversations, but it's not working. You know, and the whole narrative around Morelos today, again, you know, a couple of weeks back there when we played Aberdeen, you know, I was counting the fouls that, that Big San Cosgrove was giving away. Time and time again, you know what I mean? Foul after foul after foul. There was no outrage by the commentary team, by your Andy Walker and all the rest of them, you know, about what he was up to. You know, the minute Morelos is involved in anything, that narrative gets pushed. You know, he's he's unstable, he's this, he's that. And I think the club now need to, to look at it and, and, and call it out a wee bit more. Because uh, if they are going down the, the, the sort of diplomatic behind-the-scenes behind, behind the stuff, it's not working. Well, first things first, the, the, the behind-the-scenes route doesn't necessarily mean a polite phone call and, and saying to the big wigs at the SFA, please, can we try and change things, please? It, it, it just means that you're not necessarily playing this out in the public arena. And I agree with you that, that other clubs do that and, and will kind of plant stories about referees in, in the run-up to big games to just plant that seed of doubt. But my argument is they're aided and abetted by a compliant media. And that's something that we are never going to have, or certainly not at the moment. Um, and, and possibly it wouldn't quite work out in the same way. Frankie, where do you come down on this? Or do you agree that we're refereed to a different standard? And if so... Firstly, why is that? And secondly, how do you how do you solve it? It's a tough question to answer. Um, take it bit by bit, I think. Uh, in terms of being refereed to a different standard, I think it's it's fairly obvious that's that's been the case now for a while. Um, certainly, when it comes to Alfredo Morelos, um, and I mean today's example is is just another one. I mean, there's only three players being red carded for goal celebrations in the last, what, 18 months, 24 months, is Andy, Han- Andy Halliday, Daniel Candias, and Alfredo Morelos. Nobody else. It's okay, they're, they're, they're all second bookings. That's fair enough. And if you want to say the letter of the law, then they're, they're daft gestures. I think Morelos was daft today. Um, I, I, obviously, the manager was annoyed with him as well. Um, so I think it's fair enough to, to, to uh, say that he doesn't have any complaints. But at the same time, other people get away with it. And it's that inconsistency that, that drives supporters mental. Not just with um, with, with celebrations, um, with, with tackles, with dissent, with anything else. I mean, you didn't want to be paranoid. And, and, and I think that's why the club probably are more public and their condemnation and what they are probably behind the scenes. I mean, I think you'll remember, as I said, I mentioned Candias, the, the red card he got last season when he, he blew a kiss and got a yellow card in injury time when Morel scored the second after Morel scored the second goal um, and Paisley. Um, I think the club took that pretty seriously and I think they went after Colm and um, he didn't referee or any games for a while after that. So I, th- I think sort of back channel protestations do actually work in that sense. And I don't think you'll get any joy out of referees if you go after them publicly. I mean, we all see what happened um, several years ago when, when Celtic and Neil Lennon did that with, with Dougie McDonald and they went on um, on strike, the referees. And clearly it wasn't really made out to be a Celtic issue, but a sort of national game issue when it was Celtic that, that, that caused that. Um, I don't think we've got anything again for doing that. However, I do think the manager should be a bit cleverer in how he addresses it, say, with the club. I mean, I think the last thing he needs is a long rambling, verbose statement from Jim Trainer um, on the club website. As Ross mentioned, we didn't really have the political or media backing for that to be taken seriously. Um, however, somebody like Gerard does, has a, does have the, the gravitas for people to stop what they're doing and listen to him. And not just people in Scotland, but the, the national media and the European media, all because their profile has been lifted by him in the last 18 months, not just because of what he did as a player, but the fact that he's got us qualifying for the last 32 of European competition. So I, I think you just got to be got to box clever 
And I think he's tried to do that. I think he's raised stuff recently, Gerard. And but to be fair, it isn't working. I mean, that's what the last three or four games, twice in Europe, where we've not had penalties. I mean, we got a penalty in the cup final. That's fine. The player was red carded correctly, but we should have had at least one more penalty in the same game. And Celtic won it one offside goal. So there's there's clearly a problem here when it comes to officiating Rangers games. Is it cheating? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think any referees or linesmen go to cheat. However. Is there something else that's causing them to, to stop and think? Is it pressure from above if, if they give us decisions? Is it the media coverage when Rangers benefit for stuff? Possibly. Um, that's probably the, the most likely reason. Um, but in terms of how you fix this, I'm at a loss. But um, this is why you pay big bucks to, to PR. People at the club they should be coming up with answers on that. And and uh, they're all clever enough to... To, to, to examine ways of doing it and strategies of doing it because as it stands we are being refereed to a different standard particularly Alfredo Morelos um, as much as he was daft today the, he, last season what happened to him was was beyond a joke and it's, well, it's happening well, again I'm not I'm not sure I agree with you that he, that he was daft today because we've seen Morelos make that gesture uh, a number of times after scoring goals not not just to opposition fans but to our fans and to Wherever he ends up in front, you know, it's. I, I refuse to believe that the get it right up your gesture has travelled over to Colombia. So, you know, it, unless he's picked that up in a short time in Glasgow, which I doubt because I do, he doesn't speak English anyway, um, it's just a. I, I think he'd it's. Been, just, he'd, he'd been booked, Ross. And, and, and I actually think he was quite lucky today not to be booked earlier. In the first half, he had a few wee nibbles. I, I thought he was playing just. There were too many reminders of what he was doing last season. So it, I, I thought his discipline wasn't the ideal today, and I think that's why the manager didn't back him. Um, it, it, I thought it, Robertson was fairly lenient with him. It had been nibble once or twice just before half time, which caused the fracas when the players left the field. It was Morelos that caused that by having a wee nibble. I think at the um, the big jailbird that plays centre half for Motherwell in Scotland nowadays, um, and after so eventually did get booted and then he gets his goal and you think just take it easy and then as soon as he gave that get up your gesture towards the Motherwell fans you just knew what was coming is it soft? Absolutely it's, cra- it's, it's crazy that somebody gets sent off for that the, the Motherwell fans in that corner are throwing everything but the kitchen sink at the guy shouting everything that won't be friendly well well done Alfie great goal so of course he's got a, he's got to react, and I mean this has happened before with Scott Brown, Neil Lennon, and the narrative is always oh poor Neil, of course well let's defend him here, the, the, the hassle gets is disgraceful, and that's what should be the narrative here, but it won't be because it's Alfredo Morello. So that's that's what it brings us back to being refereed to a different standard. However, that doesn't mean that you can't criticise Alfredo. He's been booked. He's just scored. There's no need for him to celebrate like that. It's daft. And if the manager's annoyed by it, then I think fans are entitled to be annoyed by it as well. We've got a huge game on Friday night away to, Easter, uh, to Hibs at Easter Road and we really need Alfredo to be playing because he scored 27 goals this season. So his contribution on the pitch is pretty obvious in terms of what, what we need. And with other people not really scoring or, or um, doing the business, Defoe's not been playing much, then it's a big miss to lose him. And, and I think as much as he shouldn't have been sent off today, I think it was harsh. I think the, the referee should have took him aside and said, Last warning, we're not doing that again. And then even after the game, the referee should say, if you do that again, I'm going to report you to the SFA. Uh, fine, but you uh, shouldn't have done it today at the end of the day. But at the same time, it's it's a nonsense. And as I say, we've, I think we've got to discuss it. And I think Rangers have to, to discuss it, whether it's publicly or privately. Look, I, my personal opinion is... is uh, you know, obviously, we've all said we're, we seem to be refereed to a different standard. There's countless examples of other players from other teams doing that gesture. I mean, what eighty percent of goals at Ibrox scored by a visiting team are celebrated in front of Rangers fans because it is a get it right up you. I, I, I refuse to believe Morelos is, is there taking stick from that end of the park for the entire game, and he celebrates in front of them. Doesn't leave the boundaries of the pitch. Doesn't incite anything, um, and yet still, by the way gets objects thrown. And I make it now three or four games in the past couple of years that that section of the Motherwell stand has thrown objects onto the pitch. So, Colin, last word on today's game. Talk to me about the well boys. Oh, the, the, the virgins in the corner. Uh, well, I mean, we've, we've been there before with them. I mean, I'd, going back to the Morelos thing, I, I, I think Frankie does have a wee bit of point in saying, you know, you could maybe level a bit of criticism at, uh, 
at Morelos for getting involved and, and doing it. However, you know, I, I sit in the govern rear and I've seen Celtic score a few goals at Ibrox over the last few years and see the amount of golden and sort of provocative gestures that have came from the likes of Scott Brown, uh, Lee Griffiths, uh, the big daft boy that thinks he's a postman. What's his name again? The, the, the right back that, at Celtic that's left uh, now. Lustig. What was Lustig. that? Sorry, Ross. Aye, Lustig. Lustig. Right. Now, some of the stuff that I've seen for them is beyond a joke. And it's never mentioned. And we've all, you know, we've, we've got the, the, the Neil Lennon stuff as well. Every time he's in a dugout, there's always gestures. We had the incident with Scott Brown at Celtic Park uh, in March there. Now, he was charged retrospectively, but got off with it. You know, there was, there was, there was no punishment dished out. So that's where, that's where the issue lies here. You know, yeah, we could look at Alfredo Morelos and say he was stupid to get involved, but it's the consistency of it. And it's the fact that Frankie made a very good point earlier on. The only three players that have ever been sent off for celebrating a goal are three Rangers players. And one of those, the, the Andy Halliday one was, Beyond a joke, you know what I mean? He, he raises his fist to the air in the centre circle. Off you go, son. You know, Candias blows a kiss to 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 Ferdinand. Off you go, son. Uh, I, I just, I, I think it's a real issue. And I mean, there's obviously issues around uh, Morelos at the moment. The narrative for, I mean, I'll go, I'll go back to Andy Walker, how, how he dealt with Morelos today, you know, Every time he's involved, he's trying to stir up controversy and make it sound worse than it actually is. The whole narrative around Morelos needs to change. And as for those boys in the corner, well, we've had incidents with them before. There was the incident with Lee McCulloch a few years back when he got a flagpole jabbed in his eye. There was a whole, the whole uh, for Park ran on, you know, invaded the pitch in, in that uh, playoff game a few years back. You know, the, 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 there's been ongoing issues at that ground for a few years now, but it's never highlighted. You know what I mean? But you know, if you hear naughty songs at Ibrox, fair are all over it. You know what I mean? So the, the I mean, it's not just Morelos. The whole way the club has been handled by the media, and 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 how we have been handled in terms of punishment for whether it be action by players on the park or action by supporters in the stands, it's it's all to a different level from other clubs, and it needs seriously challenged. I mean, you had that incident through the week there with Fair, you know, retweeting a, a very derogatory tweet about Rangers Football Club. That that shows you how, you know, that how impartial they are. They're, they're, you know, that whole organisation's whole, their whole agenda surrounds Rangers Football Club. You know, I, I've yet to read anything that they've done with, with any other club. It's always Rangers. And then the excuse for it is, oh, some young boy got, you know, he retweeted that by mistake. He thought he was on his own phone and on his personal account. But what does that say about the integrity of that person working for that organisation? Should he be working for an organisation whose whole reason for being is to question, you know, and challenge racism and sectarianism and all these kind of things? If they've got someone within their ranks retweeting that kind of stuff, should they be working for that organisation? You know, and these are questions that I see getting asked by Rangers fans and it just falls in deaf ears. You know what I mean? So the whole thing, I think, needs looked at and challenged. And But as Frankie said, it's really difficult. You know what I mean? Because we don't have a, a friendly media in this country. We don't have a media that is friendly towards the club. So it's very, very difficult to, to, to challenge these things. No, I think you're spot on, Colin. I mean, the, the thing with FAIR, obviously we spoke about it in the week. It was... Um, everyone's known for a number of years the agenda of FAIR and, and now there's proof and they say oh, but it was, it's okay because it was only visible on the timeline for five minutes but there's a deeper issue here, like you say it's, it's, it's highlighting the integrity and the character of the guys at FAIR um, and by the way this is no young junior employee at FAIR, I, I, I struggle to believe that FAIR have uh, a large number of employees anyway but there's not that many employees at FAIR that are going to be having access to the FAIR Twitter account or have the FAIR Twitter login credentials. So this is someone who FAIR trusts to broadcast their message. So this is a guy with, with significance and influence at FAIR is tweeting this stuff out, is retweeting it and, and showing what the guys there are made of. And now we know, now we know, and hopefully... You know, Rangers have written to UEFA. We know that. We know that they've been in touch with UEFA saying that the guys that are reporting us, the guys that are 
um, causing us to have, well, not, I'm not going to say causing us to have uh, stadium clo- uh, stand closures or seat closures because, you know, we're, we're not exactly helping ourselves at times in that regard, but they've proved themselves to be bigoted. They've proved themselves to be corrupt. They've proved themselves to be biased and have an agenda. Um, so hopefully, hopefully UEFA can take notice of that. And well, uh, I think you're right to point that out, Ross. I mean, because the integrity of the fair is now seriously questioned, I don't think that gives Rangers supporters a free pass to now, you know, bring out some of the tunes of old. I think we need to continue down the road that we've been, by and large, successfully sort of negotiating and sorry, navigating. We're getting there with this issue. There's still the odd song pops up, but even although fair have, have been compromising us, I don't think that gives gives us a free pass to go back to the ways of old. No, you're absolutely right. And actually, on Thursday, when it was the biggest temptation to re- to kind of revert to those songs that, that we shouldn't be singing, we were exemplary. The fans were exceptional. The fans got behind the team. The fans kept it above board, um, which was the the absolutely best response that we could have done. So I was I was delighted to hear that on Thursday. Um, Guys, we've, we've spent a long time obviously talking about Motherwell, talking about refereeing and, and the standard in the country. I want to move on and have a very quick look back at the, the game on Thursday night, the young boys game, um, which really we shouldn't downplay the significance of that game on Thursday night. Rangers qualifying through to European football after Christmas for the first time, I think, since 2010-2011. Um, I noticed before the game that if we'd won that match, we did top the group and someone was saying that that would have been the first time that Rangers have ever topped a European group which would have been a, a, a remarkable achievement. I remember sitting and work, watching the draw come out uh, when the groups were drawn and seeing Porto and Feyenoord and Young Boys in that, my boss turning to me saying, that's a Champions League group. And it was. So for us to come out of that group is, is absolutely spectacular and a real testament to the work put in by the management team. Um, that said, Frankie, looking at the actual game itself on, uh, on Thursday, I know you were watching this in the airport on your way back from your holidays. Um, to me, that was a strong performance in the first half uh, and we really should have been out of sight. Was there an argument to say that we were a little bit wasteful in front of goal on Thursday? Aye, from what I've seen anyway, we, we definitely should have been more than one goal up. Uh, I, I thought we did well for the first hour, actually. Then after that, possibly understandably, we, we started to maybe protect the lead a bit more than we needed to. Um, at the same time, young boys clearly had nothing to lose, so so they were um, they, they were having a goal. Um, and I think the problem was... Um, we were then wasteful in possession at that point. We were giving the ball away too easily. We were clearing it long to nobody um, and weren't using the ball well, giving it straight back and not looking after possession at all. And that, that was causing us more problems than, than actually sitting too deep. Um, I think uh, one of the, the main criticisms of the manager since he's arrived is, is, is has been his use of his, uh, his subs. And, and I think he was a bit late in introducing players into the game. And saying that, it's 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 very difficult when games are played at a high tempo for guys to go on and be positionally perfect right away. So you, it, it, as much as you want fresh legs for maybe the last 25 minutes, 20 minutes of games, if, if they're not going to get up to speed right away, and then you can cause yourself more problems than somebody maybe being a bit tired uh, if, if they're making the change itself, you know? So it's... It's it's all very disappointing, I think, um, the, the result or how it ended. But I think we've got, as you as you mentioned, we've really got to take heart for qualifying for this group. I was pretty confident beforehand. You'll remember that in the podcast a few times that we, that we could qualify for this. But I think some of the results have been excellent. Um, the, the two results against Young Boys, ironically, have probably been our two worst results. Um, and but even in those games, I think we played well for the majority of them. And, and that's that's the positives we've got to take. OK, within the top of the group, probably should have. But to qualify for that group, and uh, for Fionor, Porto and Young Boys, all teams that have, have, have got a European pedigree and have been in the Champions League recently, is really good going because I don't think many people gave us much of a chance. So as much as, as, as the initial feeling of disappointment when you lose such a, a, a cheap late goal, Again, I think um, I think it's fantastic that, that we've got through. I think the players and the manager and his coaching team deserve a huge amount of credit again. And and, uh, and I just hope we now, whoever we get in the draw, I mean, I, I don't think there's any day to fear, particularly. There's a lot of good teams, obviously. But, I mean, we've now been at, been at Ibrox for a long time. Um, I think we play well away from home as well. So I think we've got a chance to beat most teams in this uh, competition. So I think we've got to take that confidence and and take it into to that game and, and, and 
stay behind the team and and let's just see where it, where it takes us from here, you know. Well, I exactly. I mean, as as Mark Gilmore says here on the stream, that we should fear nobody, and that's that's absolutely spot on. You know, there's not one team looking at the list of clubs that we can draw tomorrow. Um, draw tomorrow, I believe, is at midday live on BT Sport. So if no one's uh, if anyone's got that in the diary, that's when we can find out who we're getting next. Um, some excellent clubs in there, but we should absolutely fear nobody. And um, we've already surpassed the expectations. So we've got nothing to lose. Um, and given the showings that we've done in Porto. Um, against Porto and Feyenoord at home, you know, to take the young boys' results aside from that, there's not one team that we couldn't get a result against on our day. Um, and we know that we put in big performances away at European sides. We know that we can do that. Even think back to, you know, results against Legia Warsaw in the qualifying or Mitchelland. We've, we've put in some incredible shifts away from home. We know that we can get a result against anyone. So I think Mark's absolutely right. We should fear nobody. Also, a really good point here on the YouTube from Mickey. Morelos is the first player in the club's history to net in four successive European ties. Um, wasn't aware of that at all, actually. That's a, a phenomenal stat that hopefully puts to bed all of this nonsense about him not scoring in big games. Um, Colin, if we go back to the game itself, I think we had a, a strong first half where we were moving the ball about fantastically. We should have got one or two more goals for the effort. Um, but to me... There was a, a real dip in the second half. It looked like there was tiredness, fatigue. We were sitting deeper and deeper and deeper and inviting pressure from young boys, and it was a bit sloppy. Um, there seems to be a bit of a recurring pattern now that Rangers can't perform solidly for 90 minutes. We've heard that a lot from Gerard in his post-match press conferences. He'll say things like, I didn't recognise us in that first half or we weren't where we wanted to be second half. Does it concern you that we can't seem to string out a consistent 90 minutes? <clears throat> I, I think that that was sort of reflective of that week, if I'm being honest. I mean, the Aberdeen game should have been, you know, done and dusted by half time. We should have been home and hose in that game. We ended up drawing it. Uh, we should have won the cup final. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think even Scott Brown and Neil Lennon have acknowledged that they got away with one. We end up losing that. And then it's the same against Young Boys, you know, first half, or, you know, we get the goal and we look like we're going to go on and you know, win the game fairly comfortably. And then the second half is, is the total opposite. And I I do find it quite concerning uh, that, you know, because these things seem to come when there's a wee bit of pressure involved. You know what I mean? So, obviously, Pataudry is always quite a tricky place to go. The minute Aberdeen got that, that, that first goal, you could feel the sort of momentum swing. And I think Stephen Gerrard was right in his, his sort of post-match comments that he was looking to his leaders to, to do something and, and they didn't, you know, we didn't manage that game uh, well at all. I think Frankie's got a good point about some of the substitutions that, that, that the manager used. Uh, the Celtic game, it's the same. I, I started to get the fear at halftime. You know, we've absolutely steamrolled them the whole first half, chance after chance. And, you know, and you started to get the fear a wee bit. When they go one nothing up, you, that's when you think, oh, is this going to be one of those days? The minute Morelos missed that penalty, I knew. I, I, I just felt then that this is it. It's just not going to be your day. Uh, so again, from a, a position of strength, we end up losing the game. And it was the same on Thursday night. You know, we've, we've controlled large parts of that game. Uh, young boys, for whatever. I mean, I think it was Moscow last season. When it, you know, there was... There always seems to be a team in, when we play in Europe that we, we just seem to struggle against. And it, it's ironic that it's young boys because we've done so well against two teams that you would be considered to be, you know, big European names in Porto and Firemills. You know, we've, we've done numbers on them, yet couldn't couldn't go over the line against uh, young boys. So, yeah, I think it is concerning. I think it comes down to game management. I think that's been an issue probably since Stephen Jenner's came here and I'm not taking anything away from the, you know, the huge strides that he's taken us on. You know, he has improved the club immeasurably. That doesn't mean we're perfect. You know, there's, there's still obviously issues there. Uh, to, to be ironed out and I think the game management side is one of those things and, and those three games prove it in my opinion based on the performances we should have won those three games and we, we didn't win any of them you know so yeah I think it is a worry Did uh, did the nerves kick in for you then Colin uh, when the when the goal goes in the, the Bonabaracic own goal we had a comment here from Mark on the YouTube stream that he had to uh, step down into the stands and watch the, the last four minutes on the telly because he couldn't handle being in his seat. Um, were you worried that we might start to throw the whole thing away and, and end up not qualifying? Well, obviously, you know that 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 becomes a real a real sort of prospect because you know would been the guy in front of me had been providing updates at the other game and at one stage 
uh, I think Porto were dawn and we were winning. So it's like, well, we're through. You know, it's all very comfortable. It's all very good. And all of a sudden, Porto are winning. And then Young Boys equalise. And you're thinking, well, <laughs> we're actually staring at the, 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 the exit door here if we can see another goal. And I think this team is a nervous team when it's in those situations. We, we were sitting deep, inviting pressure. I mean, the goal itself that we gave away was a bit farcical, really. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Part of me thinks that this will improve when, when, they, when they get the first trophy under the belt. You know, until they get that, I just kind of wonder if that nervousness is, is always going to be there. But it's something they need to try and improve upon because, as I said, those were three huge games. We should have won all three of them, which would have brought us a trophy last week. Uh, and we didn't win any of them. And we ended up, you know, it was uh, squeaky bum time for the last two or three minutes in that young boys game. And th- th- for a couple of minutes, I did think, yeah, we are going to blow this here. You know, so you'd, you're theoretically going for winning the group to going out in the space of two or three minutes. So, yeah, I think it's something we need to improve on. Yeah. Look, I totally agree with you, Colin. And I worry that this team perhaps is a worried team, is a nervous team in those situations. Um Frankie, what's your opinion on this? Is this something that you need to fix via coaching or via recruitment? Via winning games, winning trophies. It's just a mentality thing. Um, until you win something, bring silverware, then players won't ever have that total belief in themselves. Um, and that's why last Sunday uh, losing that game at Hamden was, was such a blow because I think if we'd won that game, it really would have put us in the driving seat um, in the league. Um, just in terms of psychological uh, momentum, and, and and that's that's something that does worry me about this team, and or not the team per se, but certain individuals where they have that mentality to take the extra step. I mean, I, I think we've seen progress in the last uh, the last year or two under Gerard, the last eighteen months. Um, certainly, for a team that, that didn't have any gumption, to a team that now rarely fear anybody and do have the belief in, in themselves that they can win games. Where we maybe lack is just that extra step, first of all, to win things, uh, to to believe that we can win big games when things go against you, i.e. if you go 1-0 down or if you didn't maybe score, win on top. And, and this is only something that comes through time. And and, and we have, to, as fans, we have to be patient. I mean, you, you guys have mentioned there that we, we drew the three games, obviously we drew the, the Aberdeen game. Sorry, we didn't win in the three games. We drew the Aberdeen game, got beat by Celtic and got, and got beat by Young Bears. And I think we were all gutted by that. And, and it is the good enough. We should have won all three. I mean, two and up against Aberdeen, dominated Celtic, and then should have been at least two and up before Young Boys scored uh, just before the, the 90th minute last Thursday, but at the same time, I think it's unreasonable to expect to win every single game all the time. I think to expect to go through December as undefeated is probably, or or to win every game, it it was probably unrealistic. Um, I think we've got to to manage our own expectations as well, and I think that'll help the players somewhat. Uh, I think that there's maybe that expectation is maybe just a bit too much for some. But I think I think we've seen improvement on that in that regard. I don't know if that comes from the manager. I don't know if it become comes uh, naturally just because we've been doing better. So that just that the players themselves feel more confident and have that extra belief. But as I say at the start, I think I think the only way to to change that is by winning trophies. And and the quicker we do that, the better. Because I think we're capable of doing it. I think as I say, I was confident we could qualify from that Europa League. We did so. So the players should be taking confidence, and so should the fans. And they shouldn't be panicking when there's stages in games where we may be only playing quite as well or if teams have the, have the upper hand, that's going to happen. So rather than panicking and worrying and rushing down the stairs, get behind the team and uh, get behind the players when they give it away and help them help them get that mentality and, and, and let's drive this team to the success that, that, that I think we're starting to, to deserve, to be honest. Can I come in here, Ross? Sorry, I, 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 I think Frankie's made a, a, a valid point there. That this, there was an incident at the Porto game that really annoyed me, and it was the amount of fans leaving. You know, I mean, I know we'll have the joke about the subway loyal and all the rest of it, but you want to know something that is actually becoming an issue. You know, I mean, especially when you've got a team like this that is still trying to take that first step and, and win a trophy. Now, would the, would the players respond to, to the respond to grumps and groans and getting howled at when things are going a wee bit? 
Ryger in the game, or do they respond to supporters getting behind them? When Steven Gerrard's about to deliver one of the best results in Europe in a number of years, you're looking around and the, the, the stand was the stands were half empty in sort of 85 minutes. You know what I mean? So I think the supporters also need to look at themselves here and ask themselves, are they supporting the club in the right manner in terms of are they getting behind them? Are they being positive? Are they trying to help the boys over the line? Or are they just expecting them to turn up and win games, as Frankie says? I and mean, when that doesn't happen, you get on their backs. And then 80 minutes, right, I'm away because I'm going to miss my train or I'm going to get a pint in the district bar or whatever. I mean, so I think the supporters need to look at themselves here as well. We've got a team here that haven't, haven't won anything yet. They need to take that final step. As Frankie says, we need to get behind them in the right way. Look, I think that's a smashing point, Colin. Um, as, as people know, I don't get up to Ibrox as much, obviously, living down in London, but I came up on Thursday because you know, I, took, I took time off work to fly up Thursday lunchtime because this is a huge game and it was kind of a historic moment after everything we'd been through to qualify out of that group and, and get through to the next round of Europe. It was massive and it was massive at the end of the game, the relief, the, the joy, you could see it on the players and it wasn't lost on me what an achievement that was. And you're right, from 80 minutes onwards, every 30 seconds I was standing up to let a guy out. You just think, what are you doing? Are you, are you taking this for granted? Are you, it's, it, it's a remarkable position to be in and yet people don't want to stick around to see us achieve it. Or people don't want to stick around to, to join in the celebrations because the subway queue might be a bit busier. I left it full time. It took me 10 minutes in the subway queue, but I, I would rather wait that 10 minutes to, to see us succeed, to see us achieve and to share that moment with the fans and with the players um, than, than to get home and get dry. Well, see if you, see if you went to the cinema, bro. See if you've gone to the cinema in the next couple of weeks to go and see the new Star Wars film or whatever. Do you leave 10 minutes for the end? Of course you don't. You know what I mean? Especially when a game's still in the balance, still there to be won. I don't get it. I really don't. And I, I, I mean, I always used to try and be a bit kinder on people like that and say, well, you don't know, they've maybe got a situation. But not that amount of people. You know what I mean? It's, it's not on. You know what I mean? And I think it must deflate the players. It must deflate the manager when he's looking up thinking, Christ, I've just given them 2 nothing against Porto. Best result in Europe for a number of years. It's 82 minutes on the clock and he's all even. No, look, I, I totally agree. And what's what's actually frustrating is that I know everyone listening on YouTube will be agreeing as well. There's comments here saying that, that that we're spot on. I know Frankie agrees with this point. Um, but what's difficult is it's fans that don't necessarily engage with this kind of content that aren't as passionate that that don't you know it's not a matter of life and death. It's those guys that that we need to hear from. Unfortunately, and, and we're, it's it's hard to get an explanation. Of course, you get your Northern Ireland Bears who. Um, I might struggle to get back in time for the ferry or my bus leaves at this time and if there's been a, a, an extra long delay before half time or whatever it is then my bus leaves and I've got to be on that bus um, but the point is it's the numbers the numbers that go it's, it's, it's really demoralising it really is you said it yourself um, last word on the Europa League before we wrap up uh, Colin in a word who are you hoping to get in the draw tomorrow? Oh, I would like a big name Ross you know what I mean I, I think Celtic are quite Lucky in this respect, you know, they're luckier than us in this respect. We we get, you know, any, even in the Champions League, we tend to get the Seville's and all that type of thing, you know, teams that are going to probably essentially put you anyway, but they're not those those big, big names, whereas they always get a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich or something like that. So uh, I would think like an Ajax and uh, Man United would be tasty, I think, with Stephen G's, uh, sorry, Stephen G's connections to Liverpool, obviously. I think that'd be a great tie. Uh, so I a big name that's what I want Frankie how about yourself I'm no fussy I would rather get a small name so we can go further make more money to be honest um, one of the Portuguese teams would be quite good I mean we've, I, I don't know if we can get Porto in the next round or not I'm assuming not but we've already proven that we can beat them over effectively over two legs Benfica or Braga confident we could take either of them I mean there's various teams there that didn't frighten me whatsoever I mean clearly Teams like Basel and uh, Espanyol and that, they've done well in European competition in recent years. Ghent, I mean, Belgium um, are, are one of the best international teams in the world at the minute. So they wouldn't be easy matches, but I, I fancy us to, to take on a lot of these teams, especially at Ibrox. Um, but as, I'm just as much confident in, in this Rangers team in away games nowadays. So um, I, I'll take anybody, but um, preferably uh, one of the smaller teams so we can, we can prog progress further. I've got a list of the possible opponents here, Ross. It's Ajax, Arsenal, Basel, Benfica, Braga, Espanyol, Ghent, Inter, 
Istanbul, something or other, can I pronounce that? Uh, Lask, Malmo, Manchester United, Salzburg or Seville? Well, look, out of that out of that list, like Frankie says, half of those teams you've got to be confident of beating anyway. Lask from Linz in Austria should be beating teams like that. Malmo, we'd, we'd give them a right good go. Um, and then you come up to your... I don't know if anyone's watched Arsenal against Man City this afternoon. They are dire. They are absolutely dreadful. And I would love, having lived in England for over 20 years now and being told how crap Scottish football is, how my nan could score for fun up there, I would love an opportunity to shut that down. So for me, bring on Arsenal. Um, guys, I'm conscious that obviously we've, we've spoken a lot about the two games this week. We've spoken about the fans. We've spoken about refereeing. Um, just to wrap up this week, we had some some big news in the week. Is a new deal for Steven Gerrard. Um, first things first, Colin. What's your immediate reaction to hearing him signing on? Obviously, he'd been in the pipeline for a little while, and there've been rumours that were pretty much confirmed by him in the week. Um, are you happy to see him stick around? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know he's. You know, he gets a bit of criticism for from certain quarters in the media because he's not won a trophy yet. And but I don't think anyone can deny that he's 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 brought Rangers back to a level that we, you'd expect the club to be at. You know, and I, I think him just walking through the door. You know, I mean, Rangers because of the the situation. You know, down the leagues and the journey back up. I mean, Rangers were always a glamorous club, always a glamorous club. And you know, when you're you're plodding through. The Highland Towns and Forfars and Stirling Albion and you know the level of player isn't quite the same and I think we'd lost a bit of that glamour you know and we just weren't as prestigious as as it had been previously and I think just by walking through the door he provided that you know all of a sudden Rangers were you know the the, the spotlight of the, the world media again so yeah and I think he's done a decent job I mean I, I don't think he's perfect I think right now his substitutions are causing me problems you know there was obviously issues last season we, we, we lost a lot of stupid points dropped a lot of stupid points through the season but can anyone really deny that he's he's, he's improved us and I, I, I mean I, I love the guy uh, and I was a wee bit surprised a couple of weeks back when it was it was getting sort of suggested there would be an extension uh, but then Jurgen Klopp announced his extension and it suddenly all made sense so I, I'm delighted that he's, he's kicking about Ah, that's the point that you've alluded to there, Colin. Um, Frankie, Jurgen Klopp signing a contract extension pretty much at the same time as Gerard to expire at the same time as Gerard. Uh, coincidence? Possibly. Um, I, I think I think it makes sense for Liverpool to to be looking at Klopp's successor. Um, it looks like they're going to win the league this year, first time in however many years it is, which um, is going to make their fans uh, over over the moon and. He's got to make a club a, a legend, um, even if he isn't already. But then, um, I, but I think Klopp isn't somebody that, that stays at jobs for for overly long. So at some point he will be wanting to move on, whether that's in 2024 or before then. And I think it makes sense for Liverpool to be looking at Gerard. That, that, that he knows what the club's about. He was the, the captain for God knows how long, and uh, led them to fantastic European success. And and obviously. Cups domestically as well, and, and I'm just delighted that that, that we've got him. Um, I think it was a bit of a gamble. Um, clearly, he wasn't as experienced as, as I think most of us were hoping um, that the, the successor to Kashina would be. But I, I think everything, or almost everything, that, that Gerard has done is, has the field to impress me. I think that just the way he handles himself with the media, he's a clever guy. I think he manages the players really, really well. I think he manages expectations with the fans well. I think he builds them up right when they need to be built up. And um, I think he's done a, an excellent job. And I, as I said earlier, I, I think we need to be careful uh, not to be over-expectant. I think this was always going to take time. Celtic, the, the wage bill is twice or three times ours. They bring in a lot more money than we have because of the, 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 the lead they've had on us over the last seven or eight years. So this was always going to take a lot of time and it was always going to take the right manager and the right bunch of players to, to be able to turn this round against all odds, if we're being fair. And so to, to expect Gerard to come in and win anything last year or win the, the league last year or even this year, I think is unrealistic. I hope we can do it. I think we can do it and I believe we can do it this season. But if we don't, I hope we don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. Um, I'm not saying Gerard's above criticism. Um, I, th I think there's there's a lot of criticism um, of of his 
use of the squad. I think he needs to try the tape more, whether or not he doesn't trust in his players. I'm not so sure. There's some French guys I think deserve to be playing a bit more often than they do, and I hope it doesn't cost us, for example, this Friday. So I think there's there's definitely questions with Gerard, but this is a guy that's learning on the job, and every step he's made so far has been really, really top draw, and I'm really excited for the future under him. And if if he left to go join Liverpool just now, who would you want to come in as manager and think he could do a better job without spending a huge amount of money? I don't think we'd have a good answer on that for any of the three of us. So it's, that news last week's fantastic. And I just hope that, that we can go on now under Gerard and, and, and do and start winning stuff. Because I, as I said earlier, I think we deserve to start winning stuff. And I think we're playing well enough to do it. And I just hope we'll have that belief amongst the, the players and fans that, that we can do it. I think that's very, very eloquently put, Frankie. Um, guys, listen, I reckon that that's, that's probably all we've got time for this evening. Um, a very, very, very busy show. So I'm sorry there's a, a whole load of comments on the YouTube stream there that we didn't get time to get through. But thank you very much for contributing to the show. Um, I'd like to say a massive thank you, of course, to both Frankie and to Colin for their insightful contributions this evening. Uh, to everyone that's listening, please do make sure you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk uh, where you can catch up on all the latest news and opinions. You get your match previews there. You get loads of articles as well as the friendly discussion forum where you can catch myself, Frankie and Colin. Uh, remember, as I said, the pod will be available for download from Monday morning. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to that and, and maybe leave us a wee comment as well. Um, we'll be back next Sunday with another show when we're going to be taking a look back at that potentially tricky trip over to Leith as well as discussing uh, what is currently the unknown European opponents, but will all be a bit more clear in about, what, 14 hours' time. Um, all that's left for me to say is, as always, a massive thank you for listening, for getting involved with the show, and have a great week. <laughs>